0: live from casa del rio in nashville tennessee just down the river from the grand Ole opry it's the dreamers road with stephanie urbina jones and the honky-tonk mariachi grab a seat grab a drink saddle up and let's take a ride down this dreamers road vamonos y'all
1: Hola, mis amigos, this is Stephanie Erdvina-Jones. I hope you all are well tonight. I'm really honored and excited about this this show and what we're gonna be sharing and about the creator, Tamara Saviano, who will be joining us a little bit later. You know, when I think about who I'd love to have and what I'd like to share for inspiration, I think about these creators that have worked their life and held these dreams and these visions with grit and grace and tenacity. And without question, the woman you're going to be hearing from tonight has carried a vision forward, many visions forward. And our dreamers road, unbeknownst to me, crossed back when I was a little dreamer. Here I am, you guys, four years old. I grew up in a bicultural home in San Antonio, Texas until my mother, married a German, and we moved to the small town of Fredericksburg. And my weekends were spent two-stepping across honky-tonks, especially this one, Luckenbach, Texas, where everybody is somebody, where Margie, who was the bartender, here she is, and also the sheriff was my babysitter. I was her little baby bar back, and I would be tossing around sawdust so that people could keep two-stepping all night long. We've got another shot for you here. It was the time of the outlaws, you guys. of Willie and Waylon and the boys, the redheaded stranger, Johnny Cash, all these amazing creators and there every single weekend and sometimes in the afternoon and it still happens. There were poets with their guitars carving their hearts out around a potbelly stove in the wintertime, and around a live oak tree. These are the scenes that made me and put a little dream, a little seed into my heart. It took me close to 25 years, but just over two years ago, those poets, Margie, Lucanbach, those honky-tonks, and the mariachis that I grew up to love, finally, was born a dream come true with the Grand Ole Opry. I want to dedicate this to Tamra Saviano for all the work she's done to bring the dream we're going to share about tonight forward. Here's a moment.
2: Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's always an exciting time when someone is making their Opry debut. But it becomes all the more exciting when this is something that's been held by that person guesting as a dream in their heart. This young lady grew up in San Antonio, Texas. She didn't come to country music in recent times. This is a lifelong love affair for her with country music. And this is something that she knows about. It's in her heart, it's in her soul, it's deep in her very being. But also very deep in her being, obviously, is her roots. Her Hispanic roots. And she has done something very unique with music, marrying the talents and the, of the, her God given talents that the good Lord has given her of, of loving country music and singing country music with her his, Hispanic roots in country music. She's got a brand new album out called Tolerosa. And what she has done with this is marrying the sounds of classic country music with the sound of a mariachi band. As best as we can determine, nothing like this has ever happened before in the nearly 93 years of existence of WSM's Grand Ole Opry. But you're going to get to witness this tonight for the first time, this marriage of this music. And you're also going to get to witness this debut tonight of this very talented artist who's been doing this professionally now for about 17 years. She tours not only domestically, but she tours abroad as well. And when she found out that she was going to guest on the Grand Ole Opry stage, she cried for 15 minutes before she could hold herself. This is something that's very meaningful for her tonight. It'll be a night that she never forgets. We want you to do your part to make it all the more meaningful for her. At this time, would you give the best welcome you got to Stephanie or Phoenix?
0: wish had you hadn't done that way
1: Sleeping so
0: under the table by our rocks
1: you all enjoyed that I really wanted to this is the first time we've ever shared that anywhere with anyone that moment I want y'all to know I was there um, the back of the stage I had been dreaming of that moment since I was a little girl growing up in Lucanbach those honky talks. I had moved to Nashville and uh, I lived right on the river right down the river from the Grand Ole Opry and so that moment before that happened there were many prayers and many tears And then a great big hallelujah moment when that happened. And I really felt the same when I began following um, the story, the life of Tamara Saviano, who who will be joining us tonight, and her creative spirit and what she's been through. I'm going to share a little bit about her biography before I bring her on. Tamara Saviano is a three-time Grammy nominee and took home the statue for producing 2004's Grammy-winning Best Traditional Folk Album, Beautiful Dreamer, the songs of Stephen Foster. She produced The Pilgrim, a celebration of Chris Christofferson in 2006 and Randy Scruggs. In 2012, Saviano's Grammy-nominated This One's For Him, a tribute to Guy Clark, won the Americana Music's Association Album of the Year Award. Saviano also produced 2014's Looking Into You, a tribute to Jackson Brown, with beloved artist, Austin artist, Jimmy LaFave. And in 2016, worked with noted Memphis artist, Luther Dickinson, to produce Red Hot, a Memphis celebration of Sun Records, as a fundraiser for St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. Without getting killed or caught, the life and music of Guy Clark, Saviano's biography on legendary songwriter Guy Clark was released by Texas A&M University Press in 2016 and won the Belmont Award from the International Country Music Conference for the best writing on country music that year. Saviano's documentary feature, feature on Clark without getting killed or caught was selected to world premiere at the canceled South by Southwest 2020 and selected again for South by Southwest 2021. Saviano produced iconic songwriter, Chris Christofferson's double CD set, the Cedar Creek Sessions, and the album was nominated for a Grammy for best Americana album in 2017. Saviano has worked with the legendary songwriter for 19 years, is a caretaker for the Christofferson legacy and runs the indie record label, KK Records. Christofferson wrote the foreword to Saviano's memoir, the most beautiful girl, a true story of a dad, a daughter, and the healing power of music. The book was listed as one of the best books of 2014 on the prestigious Chicago Review of Books. For two decades, Saviano has worked as a music business consultant and project manager in the folk and Americana genres. Saviano co-created with artist Rod Picote from Art to Commerce, a workshop for independent musicians a comprehensive one-day program that demystifies the perplexing elements of the music business and teaches entrepreneurial skills to independent artists. The Texas Heritage Songwriter Association honored Saviano in 2017 with the Daryl K. Royal Texas Legend Award for her work with the Texas songwriters. In 2020, the Austin Music Awards selected Saviano to receive the Margaret Moser Award, which recognizes women in music Saviano's film, Without Getting Killed or Caught, won the juried Louis Black Lone Star Award at South by Southwest 2021. Saviano lives in Nashville, Tennessee, and Austin, Texas, with her husband, Paul Whitfield. Ladies and gentlemen, please make welcome Tamara Saviano.
3: Hey, Stephanie. Hola, Tamara. I'm I'm had to wipe away my tears from watching that Opry performance. It was so heartfelt and joyful. And oh, I'm so happy you showed that. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you for sharing that because I felt the same way, especially over the last few months, walking with you as you brought this Guy Clark documentary to life. I mean, it's just been an amazing road and and I want to know all about it. But before we get there to that, I want to go back. I want to go back to the the little dreamer in you. I want to know about, you know, where you grew up. Who were the people? What were the moments, the things that like, you know, your heart exploded where this like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Or, you know, cosmic breadcrumbs along the
3: way. Well, I think it all starts with my grandparents and great grandparents. Um, I was really fortunate. I had great grandparents until I was 30 years old and um, my grandparents all lived in my neighborhood. So, uh, you know, multi-generational family. Um, So I spent a lot of time, this is my mom's parents and my um, great grandparents on that side. So I spent a lot of time with them and they were all musicians. Um, And when they weren't playing uh, music on their instruments, they were playing records Mm -hmm. and I was surrounded by music and also books. I was a book nerd from a very young age and and words on the page has always been exciting, exciting to me. Um, So I think those two things and my my grandparents also were readers. My grandpa had a, a great. Library of books and and introduced me to a lot of books, so I think those that laid the groundwork. Um, and you mentioned my uh, Stephen Foster album. I first heard Stephen Foster at my great grandparents' house on my great grandfather's. Um, he has this big music box that he got for his 18th birthday in the early 1900s, wow. um, which is uh, it's called a Regina, a Regina, or Regina. And it plays those big metal punched discs. And, you know, we would sit, my cousins and I would sit on the floor around the music box, and my great grandfather would put these, you know, records on. And that's where I first heard, you know, Stephen Foster and a lot of old hymnal, you know, hymns from the Methodist Church. And, and, um, I think all of that really was my breeding ground, and I always wanted to be a writer. Always, from you know when I was a little girl, my cousins and I would talk about sharing an apartment together when we grew up, and they were going to be hairstylists and I was going to be a writer. You know, <laughs> um, so it's it's just I think it was just in my DNA, just being around you know artistic people and and music and and books, um, and then I. Um, I went to journalism school, um, but I was going to weekend college because I was a mom at a very young age. I was a single mom. Um, So when my daughter started kindergarten, I started going to weekend college. And that led me to do an internship at a country radio station in my hometown, which is Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And working at that radio station, was my first real career break um, because this was in the early nineties and it was before deregulation. So at the time there were no big corporate media companies. They were all small mom and mom and pop companies. Um, and I worked for the best it was called Sundance broadcasting and everybody that I worked with there was a dreamer. And also, um, they were, it was really an ethical company, you know, morals and ethics and doing the right thing really mattered. And that kind of set the stage for when I moved to Nashville, um, how I wanted to conduct myself in business. Um, so I'd say between my family and my first radio job, um, at Sundance, that kind of laid the groundwork for me. And one of the, um, the mission statement at Sundance Broadcasting when I worked there was the most fun wins and they really believed that and they believed you could do a lot of work do good work and have fun doing it and do the right thing and um that is something that I have taken with me and have tried to do that with all of my projects have a good time and do the right thing and be kind to people 100% of the time and um, and surround yourself with other dreamers, you know, and, and you know how important that is. And we both, you know, kind of came up together in this um, Nashville music community, which is pretty extraordinary. And, you know, even if you're not um, physically close to people and see them all the time, the fact that we're in this community together is a really powerful, powerful thing. And, and I think that's why seeing you on the opera, you just kind of made me cry because it's, <laughs> You know, seeing your peers have their dreams realized opens your heart as as much as your own dreams, you know.
1: Yes, it does. You're going to make me cry. Because <laughs> you're right. I mean, you know, when we come to this town with these big old dreams and we think that, you know, we I, I think that we have to believe that something's going to happen and soon or we may not, I might not have stuck around. And, every year i and i you know i want you to tell more about that here in a little while but every year i had to re up my commitment because and something some cosmic breadcrumb you know and and from those cosmic breadcrumbs the dreamer's road was created because in every great story there are these moments these these crossroads and these people that you know we surrender in our i don't know usually and in those moments our life is directed and, 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 yes, it's so wonderful to cheer each other on, you know, on yes. this road. And you um, have been such a champion um, for so many great artists and great stories. I mean, I said this to you before we got on that, you know, I've interviewed quite a few people, but I was the most nervous interviewing you because I respect you so much as a creator, as a storyteller, and and your love, the love that you have for everything that you do and the people you do it with is so evident. Again, before we get any further down the road, I want to talk about this. So you were a dreamer. You knew you wanted to be a writer. Your cousins, they were going to be hairstylists. (laughs) So you made that dream come true. Tell us about the book that you wrote, The Most Beautiful Girl, uh, the true story of a dad and daughter and the healing power of music. Tell us about this.
3: Well, that was a story of my relationship with my stepfather who raised me and how it led me to music. And we had a very volatile relationship. He was an alcoholic and, and like any addiction story, there's a lot of pain and heartbreak in that. But I, I never had intended to write a book about him, but um, uh, I, My friend, Grant Alden, who used to be an editor at No Depression magazine during uh, an early Americana show at the Ryman that that I was producing, we had, you know, during the break, we had run over to the barbecue joint to have lunch. And I was complaining to him that I, my husband and I had just bought a house on Lake Michigan in Wisconsin, um, so I could be closer to family. And my mom and my aunts were taking my grandma and moving to Phoenix. And I was really offended that they were leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so I was complaining to Grant and he said, he said, well, there's something in Wisconsin that still has a hold on you. Maybe you should explore what that is. Mm. And I took his words to heart. Grant's a really serious person and, um, I respect him so much. And I did start thinking about why was it important to me to go back home to Wisconsin, um, And I realized that I had all this unfinished business with my stepdad who had died of a heart attack at the age of 59 and we hadn't spoken in 10 years. And so I think that the book was my attempt to try to analyze what went wrong and have some closure on that relationship. And I don't know that you ever really get closure, but what happened was, um, I looked at him instead of looking at him through my little girl eyes as his daughter I looked at him through the eyes of a grown woman and I found this compassion for him and his addiction and you know how the addiction leads to this bad behavior and and I found this great love for him for you know because when you're in a relationship with an addict it's a roller coaster ride. The highs are really high and the lows are really low. And I had gotten to a point where I was pushing away the highs and I was only focusing on the lows. And I, you know, it was really bitter. And through the process of writing the book, I sort of got my daddy back. You know, oh. I found that the stuff that I loved about him that was true, you know, that was all true, but I had pushed it aside because of the, the pain and the heartbreak. Um, so that was quite a gift to, to, uh, write that book and find that. Um, and it, and it was, you know, it was interesting that, you know, Paul, my husband and I had, had bought this house on Lake Michigan and I wrote the book while I was there. But then after the book came out, I didn't need the house anymore,
1: <laughs>
3: you know, and we sold the house and came back to Nashville. Um, and then when I wanted to work on Guy Clark, projects i had to come to texas and be in texas for that you know I've, i i don't know i feel like if i'm if i'm writing and researching i need to be close to where the subject is
1: well that is just thank you for sharing that intimate part of your of your story in your life i mean it's such i'm sure a giant part of who you are
3: the Absolutely. growing
1: up and and the pain and then the um, the process of forgiveness, or whatever you call coming to peace with that, right, um, right. And and it's interesting to me too that the people, that the artists that you have been, you know, in service to, and also um, shared their stories. They also have this very passionate and complicated nature um, that. Um, You know, I was so taken by, you know, reading the stories of what it took for you to put everything together. And again, we will get to that. But before we do, I do want to say, you know, guys, she's she's also she shared some of these very intimate moments that carved out her heart, you know, with great sorrow and peace. But also these moments. I mean, you have you have you've won a Grammy. Oh oh my gosh, there's that picture.
3: <laughs> yes, as you can tell, I'm I'm kind of crying. I was a little Clint.
1: <laughs> well, I guess so. And then you have of course um, worked with and, yeah. and so closely with Chris Christopherson. Yeah, look at I, him. He's I mean me. He's wow. So- <laughs> and and then it goes without saying um, this this man right here yeah
3: there he is I've, I've devoted 13 years to the oh, guy
1: Clark oh relevant. my gosh oh my gosh and of course we want to share one more picture here because we know i know from this oh. is paul whitfield tamra's husband
3: yes that's him he's the that's best him.
1: that's him well i wanted to honor all these great characters that i'm aware of that have touched your life and that you've been serving. And, and, you know, we want to get to this documentary, um, that is, is out right now. Um, it's just amazing. And we're going to talk about it, but I want to show y'all, show you a little trailer so you can get a little sneak peek here.
0: I'm proud to present the ASCAP Lifetime Achievement Award to Guy Clark for his outstanding accomplishments as a songwriter, recording artist, and musical mentor in the field of country music. Texans really love their heroes, and Guy is a true blue Texas hero. He was a powerful figure with an enormous presence. I'm pretty sure they'll say he's one of the greatest American songwriters that ever lived. Why didn't Guy Clark become a big star? I'm not sure they yet knew how to market a poet of Guy's caliber.
1: Guy didn't care about pleasing the record label. He was passionate about the songs and he was hell bent on doing things his way. It bombed.
0: And I was lost, (laughs) looking for something.
1: I'm Susanna Clark. I live in Nashville with my husband, Guy, and our best friend, Towns Van Zant.
0: It was a mythical love story. You had to be there to, <laughs> to get it.
3: Guy and I were married, but Towns and I
1: were soulmates.
0: He knew what was most important to Susanna. So
1: Towns Van Zandt died on January 1st, 1997. So Susanna
0: surrendered something that night she went to bed and didn't get up i, so I quit and started over you know, all i gotta do is do it. nobody says you can
1: i continued to spiral down as guy's star kept rising
2: here i am a folk singer <laughs> he knew what he wanted to be that's clarity
0: Black waiting for you know i'm just cursed with artistic integrity Lord, what a beautiful woman. His songs were literature. It just, it couldn't go on. This might be it. I never was a country singer. I'm still not a country singer. I just write songs and play them. I'm guy Clark.
1: Wow. And I can I can really say wow because I, I've had the privilege and honor, thank you so much, of letting me watch it.
3: I'm really I, glad that you took the time to watch it. It means a lot to me.
1: I just and I I I want to watch it again and again and again. I mean, I am so stunned at the storytelling of the heart of the relationships of the songs of the longing of the painting of the it's just you know I could and will go on and on but you know I guess where I want to start is how did this start how where what was what was the you know what was the cosmic breadcrumb I mean I know there was a biography yes, yes. but tell us tell us
3: well there were there were several as you call them, cosmic breadcrumbs. And thankfully, because I don't think I would have continued had those not kept showing up for me. um, I was working on the book with Guy and um, in 2014, and and I was already uh, many years into this by then and then worried that I wasn't going to finish it. And in 2014, a filmmaker approached Guy about doing a documentary. And Guy told me about that, and he said, "I don't want to start over with someone else talking about my life. So, if there's going to be a documentary, you're going to have to do it." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh!" And I said, "Well, Guy, I don't know if I have it in me to do that. You know, I had worked in television, and my husband's a video guy, so I, I know production, and I know how difficult it is, and how expensive it is, and..." raising the money and, you know, the, the whole thing, it's taking on a film is an enormous undertaking. And Guy said, well, I'm not saying you have to do a documentary. I'm just saying if there's going to be one, it's only going to be if you do it. So I sort of felt like I had the job now and I had to make it work. Um, so the first thing I did was um, I, I happened to be going to lunch this the same day with uh, Laurie White. You probably knew Laurie. Mm-hmm. She's no longer with us. Um, and it's funny because Laurie and I were not close friends, but, you know, we also came up in this community, like, you know, you and I did Stephanie and we were always running into each other saying, Oh, we need to go to lunch. We need to go to lunch. And so finally we were going to lunch and, and I was kind of going through a hard time because um, I was having trouble finishing the book and I was there was some other stuff going on in my life. And, and, and so I really wasn't feeling my most confident <laughs> about anything. And I told her about this film and, and she really kind of lifted me up and said, look, don't think about the whole finished film. Just think about do you even want to go down this path? And then take it one baby step at a time, you know. Mm. And so I did. I really took her advice to heart. And then I talked to my friend, Connie Nelson, who lives in Austin, um, longtime friend. I met Connie through Chris Christopherson. And, and she's someone I really trust. And, and she was friends with Guy. And I, and I talked to Connie about it. And she said, you've got to do this and I will help you. So there was my first, you know, (laughs) I'm jumping in this with you. And I, then I, after I talked to Connie, I talked to my husband who is a video guy and editor and, and he was in. And, and then we decided to do a Kickstarter campaign because I knew that the music licensing was going to be really expensive. And I, you know, Paul and I talked and I said, well, if we don't raise enough money to cover at least most of the music licensing, then that will tell me that we just really can't move forward with this. So our goal was $75,000, which I figured would cover maybe half of the music licensing. And and I thought that would be a good place to start. Well, we raised $180,000 on Kickstarter, which covered oh, wow. all of the music licensing. Oh, wow. And so I thought, okay, well, this, you know, there's another, like, Sign from the universe, keep going, keep going. And then after the Kickstarter campaign closed, I got an email, a cold call email out of the blue from a a guy in Austin. His name is Bart Nags. And I did not know him, but he wrote to me and said that he stumbled upon our Kickstarter, but it had already closed. And he was raising his hand down in Austin, Texas, if I needed help raising money or anything like that. I'm like, who is this guy? Right? Seriously. <laughs> so the next time I came to Austin, Paul and Connie Nelson and I went out to lunch with Bart and we all just fell in love with him. He's such a good man. He's now one of my dearest friends, but mm-hmm. such a good man. And and he just jumped in, two legs all the way in, just boom, you know, ready to go. And he helped us raise money Um he was a sounding board. Um, he ended up writing the screenplay with me, which you know I, I finally kind of begged him to do because I was so deep into the Guy Clark psyche that I didn't know that I could see things clearly anymore. And he was really he was a Guy Clark fan, but didn't really know Guy. So he had this objective viewpoint, and we were we were perfect writing partners. Which, wow! This was someone I barely knew at the time. Um, and then just, you know, kind of one thing after another kept happening. We, you know, Sandra Adair, who won a, um, is an Academy Award nominated editor, she does all Rick Linklater's films. I really wanted her to be our editor and she was so busy, but then a project fell through and all of a sudden she had time. And then um, we needed a narrator and I had this, I think Susanna Clark was putting lightning bolts in my head and I (laughs) yelled out one day that Sissy Spacek needed to be our narrator as Susanna. And I didn't know Sissy Spacek, you know, but um, I read her biography. And in that book, I learned that she grew up 100 miles away from Susanna in Texas, in Northeast Texas, and in that book, I learned that she, after she won an Oscar for Coal Miner's Daughter, she came to Nashville to record an album and Rodney Crowell produced it. Rodney's in our film, you know, right. and, and so I was just, so I called Rodney and, you know, so it, it just all came together. Um, I mean, it was hard. It was a lot of work and, you know, um, but it, it just, the doors and windows just flew open saying, yep, keep walking, keep going, just keep following the path. And, um, and here we are, we have a a finished film. Here we are. You have a finished film. And (laughs) I mean,
1: you know, people may or may not know that are watching that it was slated to be released at South by South 2020.
3: Yes. And
1: uh, you and I became Facebook friends about that time. And so (laughs) I, I felt the disappointment after all of these years, like how could this be? This, this, you know, this dream, this that you labored with for so long, and then I, I'm curious to know how you feel about it now. But what has been recreated as a, a way to to del- to deliver it has been so special, and I wonder could yeah. it have
3: been this special any other way? I don't think it would have been, honestly. And I think that that was the silver lining, you know, first of all, between the pandemic and the election year and all the crazy stuff that was happening in the world, the last thing I wanted to do last year was release this film. My heart wasn't in it. I was just like, let's just sit on it and wait and see what happens. And so this year is just much more hopeful. Everybody's getting vaccinated and, you know, we're there, we're seeing, you know, the possibilities of um, returning or maybe not the same normal, but a new normal. Um, and in that year that uh, we were all housebound because of the pandemic, um, I really had a chance to study the film business, the business side, the the distribution mm. And, of course, everything changed in the film business with the pandemic as it did in the music business. And the good news is now it's so much friendlier to filmmakers. Um, And there are so many different ways to get your film out there. And what I have that um, some filmmakers do not have is a built-in audience of these Guy Clark fans that I've been cultivating this audience for 13 years, between working with Guy and and my book and everything. Um, So I felt pretty confident that we could start, you know, moving on it. So we had our our world premiere at South by Southwest 2021. It was a virtual uh, world premiere. And then we decided in this in-between time while everybody's, you know, working on getting vaccinated, let's do a series of virtual screenings. And kind of like what you're doing with Dreamers Road, you know, where we will have people show up at a certain day and time and they can watch the film. And then after the film, there's a Q&A. So we had one in March with Rodney Crowell and we have five more this month. Um, starting Thursday with guys, good friends, Brennan Lee and Noel McKay. And we have Sarah Gerose and Steve Earle and Andrew Combs and Kix Brooks coming up. Um, and that felt really good to just do six, you know, let's do six and, and give everybody a chance that wants to watch from home the chance to see the film and they're seeing it early. And then in the fall we'll kick off our theater tour. So uh, we'll be in Nashville at the Bell Court on September 21st. Stephanie, I hope you'll come out.
1: I will be there. I and will be there. That's, that's
3: Americana Week, so I yes. think it's a good time to do it. And you know, we're going to do some. We're going to do some other festivals, and we're going to do a Texas tour, and we're going to, you know, do a, a bunch of theater stuff. Um, and we're just starting to work on that now. So, so people people can see the film now in April, but then they won't be able to see it again until September because we won't have or I'm sorry, we will have a couple screenings in May with the Austin Film Society in Austin, but the greater world won't be able to see it again until the fall. So I'm hoping that a lot of people decide they wanna check it out. Watch
1: Um, it, watch it, watch watch it. it. Mike, we've Mm -hmm. got the website too, where they can get all the information. We just shared it there without getting killed or caught.com. You can keep up with everything, uh, where it's airing, when it's coming. To you. I highly encourage you. If you love music, we all love music. We all love stories. We all have families and brothers and sisters and heart connections and whatever it is for you. I can't say enough about this movie, this film. It just, yes. And I mean, I'm going to be watching it again this week. And then I'm going to be telling everybody to go watch it in theaters that didn't get to see these next you know, these six, I really, so this brings me to the question. So, you know, I mean, I could go on and on. I mean, I keep thinking as a creator, um, what it was like, I mean, how in the world did y'all <laughs> figure out what to do with all of these pictures, films of Guy and friends and Susanna's recordings?
3: Yeah. Right.
1: I mean, here's some pictures How did you weave together these stories, this mythic love affair between these three friends,
3: Yeah, Susanna and Guy
1: and Towns and Jerry Jeff Walker. And I mean, you could tell, certainly there he is, you could tell five movies at least, and maybe there's more to come. How did you weave it together? and with yeah. the artists that use <laughs> pictures to fill in moments it, I mean, it was
3: not easy <laughs> let's just say that it was not easy um, yeah i mean we worked on it for a long time we so when we when i decided you know that i was going to actually take on this challenge and move forward it was the summer of 2014 and the most important thing that we needed to do was to start um getting guy talking on camera because guy was very sick. Um, he died in 2016, but he was very sick for the last several years of his life. So, um, I didn't know what the story was going to be at that point, but I just knew that we had to get him on camera. So Paul, you know, put together the gear and we just went over to guy's house, uh, often. And he just, Talk to us on camera and guy, you know, he knew that the end was coming and I think it was important for him to leave his story behind. Mm. So he, you know, was quite open about everything. So throughout the film, you hear guys voice telling the story and those are largely from our recordings, but you don't actually see guy on camera, the old guy, 2014, 2015 guy until towards the end of the film, because he was so sick and and every time i would see him on camera as we were editing it was so shocking to me and i was like you know what let's not show guy until mm-hmm. late in the film let's show young guy and and progressing through his career in photos and hear his voice um so that was one you know creative decision and then the you know another big creative decision was after Susanna died, Guy had given me all of her diaries, her audio diaries, and her written diaries. Crazy, wow. <laughs> very brave of him to do that. Wow. And um, so, those audio diaries you hear in the film, some of them, and her written diaries are the words that Sissy Spacek is saying. And when Bart and I were writing, we just decided, you know, let's tell this Guy Clark story. Through the lens of Susanna Clark, um, Guy and Towns Van Zant were such larger-than-life characters, and I think Susanna, you know, she was an artist, but she really got lost. Her, you know, she was kind of in the shadows compared to those two guys, and I really wanted to give Susanna the chance to shine here as well. Um, so, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was, you know, many years in the making. We we started it in 2014 and we finished it uh, in January of 2020, right before wow. we were <laughs> near at South by Southwest and then the world shut down.
1: And here and here it is, I, I believe probably better than it could have even been. It's so meaningful. I mean, it's almost like, you know, Guy, the way he would write a song, And just like wait for the right moment to deliver the most poignant part, right? Same thing after the year that we've had in this in this world for this heartfelt story to be told. Um,
3: And it is a story of friendship and love. You know, yes, it's about you know a songwriter's musical journey. But really, it is the story of relationships and friendship and love, and and even the other people in the film, Rodney Crowell and Vince Gill and. Uh, Verlin Thompson and Terry and Joe Harvey Allen and um, uh, Steve Earle. I mean, these were all people that were close to Guy and Susanna. And um, you can tell how important that friendship was Mm -hmm. in this community, you know. Um, and, And yeah, I think while we were making it, we reminded ourselves, too, that it was a love story. As well as a story of somebody's career.
1: Really, really, really is. Well, I want to remind everybody, we're going to put up the website again. Be sure and go check out all the places that you can see it over the next the next five viewings in the yes. next soon yes. without getting killed or caught.com And Mike, if you could put back up the viewing with Renan Lee and Noel McKay on April the 8th. Sarah Gerose on April the 16th, Steve Earle on April the 18th, Andrew McCombs on April the 22nd, Kix Brooks on April the 25th, and then you're going to have to wait until the fall to take everybody in your family. <laughs> well, um, I just have a couple more questions, Tara. and I, it may be, you know, I don't know how this is for you. Sometimes it's like, listen, I have to digest this burger before I can you know, dream of another one. But, you know, what are the, are there any dreams that you still have at this moment? Is there anything that you're like, oh, that moment, you know?
3: Yeah, well, there's a couple. Um, and I, you know, I haven't started exploring them at all. But um you know, there's two projects I have in mind that I'd really like to do, but I don't think I will even really start thinking about them until twenty twenty one. And another thing is, um I just turned sixty in February. so, so I'm, kind of like, yeah, so I'm kind of like, okay, uh, you know, I hope I have many years left, but at, at my age, I'm kind of thinking, okay, I really only want to spend time doing things that really matter to me. So what is that? So I don't want to make any fast moves either. I want to just take this year to get the film out and then, you know, decide where I want to put my my efforts. Um, and I'm not quite sure what that will be yet. But something, I'll do something. <laughs> well, that's exciting. It's exciting that you already have
1: seeds that you're already
3: feeling into
1: and they're dreaming you, I'm sure. I hope and so. And you're enjoying this this film. Well, I guess the last question I have for you, Tamara, and I ask everyone that comes on the dreamers road gosh you i i really mean this with all due respect you're an amazing dreamer so true to your heart and the road what advice would you give to someone that has that dream some dream in their heart and i've, I've read some of some of your interviews and in what you've talked about like sometimes it's like i hope they say no And then they say yes. And then you have to move forward. But what would you say to someone with a dream in their heart?
3: Well, the first thing I would say is don't let anybody tell you you can't. Because Mm -hmm. you absolutely can and you should. Mm. And you also don't have to quit your day job. You know, (laughs) I I have, you know, talked to some young people that feel like they have to chuck their whole lives to to live their dream. And I don't think that's true. I think... You know, instead of, you know, maybe you watch an hour or two less television and you take those couple hours to think about what you want to do um, or, you know, you carve out your Saturdays or, you know, I, I think that that's a good way to start. And maybe eventually you'll, you know, figure out a way to do it full time. But it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I think all dreams start all, you know, mine certainly creative dreams start with the idea and and there's a lot of thinking and research and planning and and seeing if it stays with you you know because sometimes there are projects that you think about doing and then after a few months of you know journaling about it or doing research you know you're like eh, I don't really want to do that and that's okay um you know I I'm a big believer in um in saying no, when it's not right, or even if you're down the road on a project and and, and the windows are closing and the doors are slamming and it's not, you're not progressing, and it doesn't feel good, um, get out and go do something else. And um, there's something I learned in a, I took a, a, a life coaching course with Martha Beck, who which was wonderful. And she had this thing about paying attention to how your body feels mm-hmm. and Does it feel like you have shackles on? If you feel shackled to something, that's not a good feeling. So is it shackles on or shackles off, you know? And if you feel, you know, that freedom and joy of doing it, then keep doing it. But if it starts feeling like you're in jail, that you're shackled and this isn't, you know, uh, imprisoned by it, chuck it and move on because life is short. And there's so many things you can dream up, you know, you can dream up anything that your imagination can think about and you can put it into action. Um, but you don't have to put everything into action.
1: That's beautiful. Thank you so much. Tamra Saviano. It's truly an honor. Oh, Stephanie, it's an honor
3: to be here with you. I'm such a
1: big fan. (laughs) Oh, thank you. We have a we have a mutual fan admiration here. well I want to thank you again and I want to wish you the blessings and and not that you need the luck but that these seeds of these dream that you're in the midst of right now. Mike one more time let's put up the website without getting killed or caught here's all the screenings you can go to without getting killed or caught. com you want to see this film. Mm-hmm. No matter who you are, no matter how old you are, um, it's, oh, it's really amazing. I want to thank, thank you. you, Tamara. And we are going to leave this interview with a very special video, um, bringing everything full circle back to Lukenbach, where I believe I was a little nina, a little a little girl sitting around a live oak tree or that pot belly stove listening to Guy and, and Jerry Jeff. And uh, they were. Seeding my dreams. Here is Guy Clark on Desperados waiting for a train in Lucanbach. Muchisimas gracias, Tamara. Thank Thank you you. so much.
3: Bye.
0: Bye. Run his finger through seven years And wander, Lord, as ever Yeah. Jack and right. And with this we're
1: Rest in peace, Guy Clark. Thank you for your life, for your heart, for your integrity, for your art. Really, really can't tell y'all enough how much this movie will move you and touch you. Well, you guys, just like every artist, this artist has been busy during this pandemic We have been creating all kinds of things from my next album, which is going to be coming to life. We haven't even shared about it yet. And also, I've been working with an artist from Mexico on these amazing hats. You can't even imagine how much joy it has been to be a conduit with this artist. Anyway, we have all kinds of merch things, honky-tonk mariachi t-shirts and hats. Check Check out this little merch video, you guys.
0: We hope you're enjoying this broadcast of Dreamer's Road with Stephanie Urbina-Jones and the Honky Tonk Mariachi. You can support the Dreamer's Road through music and merchandise. Visit www.honkytonkmariachi.com.
1: Well, that's the end of our Dreamer's Road. Please subscribe to us, share us, like us, follow us on Honky honkytonkmariachi.com, you guys. We will see you two weeks down the road for the next edition of The Dreamer's Road. We want to thank Tamara Saviano, wishing her the best of luck on this journey as she continues forward. We will see you in two weeks on The Dreamer's Road. Muchisimas gracias, y'all. Muchísimas gracias, y'all. Thank you for watching The Dreamer's Road with Stephanie Erdivina-Jones and the Honky Tonk Mariachi. You can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, and by everything at honkytonkmariachi.com. Remember, above all, some dreams are worth dreaming a lifetime to live. Muchísimas gracias. Adiós, mis amigos.